0: Hola, bienvenidos a Firme con Miguel González That's right, you're back, I'm back We're still here, you're still going strong And we're starting another week Oh yeah, it's pretty cool man, it's pretty cool There is a lot going on In El East Y With gente Such as Spanish language radio is right here in Spokane it's, it's coming up they made their announcement I believe it was yesterday if you haven't heard yet and it's gonna be something else that tells me that this area it's ready for LTNX this to be a physical space it's ready to openly express and share cultura, music, news, information, that's right, it's it's ready to exchange, it's ready to to, to display who we really are within the community, because up until now, I tell you man, it's been a real challenge to be brown and creative, expressive. It's been a challenge and it's been something else here in Pacific Northwest, at least for the perspective of a person that's coming from a very expressive and open community. You know, being from San Anto and growing up there and spending a lot of my life there, my the majority of my family, if they're not living in San Anto, then, you know, they they they're from that area and they live somewhere else because that's where life has taken them. That's where their school's taken them. That's where their their education has taken them. That's where when they've gotten married and started their own family, it's taken them somewhere else. And that's just the way people are. You move around, you don't just stay stagnant in one space. I mean, you, you can, people do, but in my family, that's just not how it is. Yeah. I mean, when, for example, when my dad, when he was a child, he was 12 years old. He ran away from home and he got on the train and he went north he left because you see just after he was born he was I mean when he was still very young his his father died in a construction accident so that left him and his mother alone together his mother remarried about the time if I remember correctly about the time my dad was like Ten no, ish, nine ish, thereabout, And they, when when she got married, his stepdad did not want my dad around because that wasn't his kid. So he didn't want him. And so he was very physical towards him. He, he did not like my dad. He did not want him there. No. Had a family. They they had so my, my dad ended up with having a sister and a brother. They knew him for just a brief time. I mean, they hardly even knew him. And at that point, my dad was tired of the treatment that he was receiving that he loved. He's like, you know, I don't need to be slapped around and beaten by this old bottle. That's not even my dad. I don't need to be here. So he ran away to take care of himself, to keep from being treated like this. And uh, that was the only way for him at that time. So he left. He went on. He went north. He grew up on the streets. He grew up homeless, poor, making whatever money he could during the depression, mind you, (laughs) as a child, he had to support himself, you know, during this time, as we were coming out of a depression, actually, and he, he went on, he grew up by himself, looking out for himself, learning how to be around people, and to be around strange environments, and people he didn't know learn how to clothe himself feed himself keep himself sheltered he had to do all that when he was 12, 13 yeah he had to figure out all that by himself you know, the really critical age when when kids become teenagers to develop and become young men that's so critical when you have uh, an adult in your life. It doesn't necessarily have to be a man in your life, but you have to, you should have an adult in your life to show you how to be an adult, you know, to be that that mentorship, to provide that guidance socially and and help instill a responsibility and good work ethic All of that stuff. But you know, my dad never had that. Yet, still, if you were to meet him today, you would think, wow, this guy worked really hard. (laughs) Yeah, because as a kid, he, he learned how to do whatever job he could, he would go to the golf course. in in the middle of the night he'd look for golf balls and then he would wash them there in the little golf ball washer thing he'd wash them there then he would go to this grocery store that wasn't too far and they threw away cartons kind of like egg cartons you know, the tray type so he would go with a little pocket knife, he would cut them down into sections, and he would, you know, put six to a, to a little section, he'd put the golf balls in there, and then first thing in the morning, he'd be right there at the door, at this golf course, and he would sell golf balls to the guys coming in in the morning to play golf. Yeah, that's what he did to make money. And he sold them at a price that was better than the, than the, 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 the pro shop in the club. The, you know, the, the guys driving by, they'd be like, oh, well, that's a deal. I want a deal. I'll buy it from that kid. And then, they'll, there you go. They, they bought golf balls from him, and they, they paid him in cash. And every night, my dad did the same thing. He built up enough money with money and put an envelope sent it to to his mom yeah and he continued to do jobs like that and continued to do more work laborious work you know he worked with his hands he started to learn how to do construction he started to to learn how to do framing and roofing he learned all these different trades as a teenager until he was old enough to join the military. And when he did that, man, it was like he was on top of the world. Now he had, he had clothes to wear that always looked good, his uniform. He had you know, a bed to sleep in that was his own bed. And he had three meals a day. And he had He was being trained, he was being educated on how to do something, and being paid for it. Yes, he was being paid for it, so there he is. And, you know, all of a sudden, wow, you know, not only am I getting paid for this, but you're gonna help me put money in a retirement fund? You're gonna help me grow money for the future? Whoa! (laughs) Man, he was on top of the world young single guy taking care of himself he had been used to living off of minimal I mean we're talking bare minimal food clothing you know housing he's been used to living homeless essentially to all of a sudden having a home and having all these things all he had to do was was his job whatever they hired him for, whatever he was was asked to do, and having worked so hard up until that point with his hands, he was like, I can do this, yeah, hard work from there, you know, it, it was nothing compared to what he'd done before as a kid, it prepared him for his time in Korea. He said that's how he endured living in the conditions he did. That's how he endured doing the work that he did, the laborer's work of artillery. He didn't mind. And he knew other people, other guys there. Some of them, it was a real culture shock to have to work with their hands. And other guys, like my dad, had no problem with it. They didn't mind getting their hands dirty to get the work done. Yeah. so as he, he stayed there in the military a little longer he continued through his time in the Korean War he finally had enough money that he came back to San Anto he came back to face his stepfather but you know what when he came home he learned that his stepfather had passed away, yeah, he became ill, he, he died somehow, my dad never really, really shared as to how, but he came back, and, you yeah, know, he saw his mom, his mom welcomed him back, and throughout this whole time that he was gone, he sent her letters, letting her know that he was okay and that he was working and taking care of himself. And you know, she was just happy to have her her son back. And he also came back not just to a brother and a sister, but brothers and sisters. He came back to Tony or Antonia, the the oldest sister. Ernest, the oldest of the brothers and then there was Florence and Josie and Rudy my dad came back to all these siblings that, I mean it was a surprise for him Rudy and Ernest were happy to see him, Florence was excited, because she had heard about him but she would never really seen him, same for Josie Tony didn't like him from the get go was mad at him that he left, and he explained why he left, and she says, no, that's not true, that's not how my dad would have treated you, and he's like, well, he did, yeah, because otherwise, I wouldn't have taken off if he didn't treat me like that, so the whole concept of taking care of someone else's child to be like a stepmother or a stepfather, that whole concept, my dad is since then, always, and even now, today, slightly, he's always disagreed with that because of his experiences, you know, this is just from his personal experience of being beaten by his stepfather, that in his mind, in his heart, he thinks that's what all stepfathers are, and he can't help it, because it was so traumatic to him that It was quite an experience for him. So, you know, he, when he learned that that I was getting married, he had a talk with me about his stepfather, and he kept saying, "Don't be like that." Don't. Be. I said, like, "I'm not going to be like that, Dad." I said, "I'm not him." You know, and it was it was a really long conversation, and it was a really intense conversation, as I had to share with my dad know, and almost help him through his trauma, and here he is, that's right, in, practically in his 70s, still dealing with that trauma, and here I was talking with, with my own father at that age, about the trauma he experienced as a child, yeah, so, when you talk about trauma, and, and the way it affects you culturally, socially, it can stay with you for a lifetime. It really can. It stayed with him for a lifetime. He's never I don't know that he's been able to 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 work through that now. I mean it's he's in his eighties now and he sees me. He sees my family and they're You know, he sees his grandchildren. And it's all like just a very simple, harmonious family. But does he ever stop and think about what he experienced as a child? I don't know. I don't know. Those are, that's a conversation I'll have to have with him. Yeah. But that's how he ended up. Being the person that he was, and when he came back to San Anto, you know, he had his strong work ethic. Now he's very dedicated to what he wants to accomplish in life. Very focused. You know, he came back. He he got out of active duty, went into the reserves, and started working at a. um, Let's see, what was he doing? He started to work with this guy at a garage. Yeah, he started to work with a guy named Richard at a garage. And Richard, he had a crush on his sister, on my dad's sister, Tony. Yeah, they started dating. And my dad and Richard, they started to build race cars together. So here it was, you know, 50s coming into that and the whole car culture. And, you know, my dad was there with it. And he loved to build things. He was very mechanically inclined, very skilled in that sense. That he and Richard, man, they hit it off. They were building cars left and right. Ernest came, he joined the group. They were working out of a garage, building cars and selling them, working on other guys' cars, you know, this and that, painting cars. My dad was really good at painting cars. And so they they are, they're working together, right? And then one day when my dad, he's driving his car, this little hot rod that he had, he's driving it through Brackenridge Park, cause that's what you do. When you wanna go show off your car, you drive through Brackenridge Park. <laughs> you do, you drive through Brack Park and that's where you chill really slow and the little roads and people are looking around and they hear the sound of the cars and It's just, it's cool, you know. That's the cool place to be if you've got a cool car, you know. Or at least you think your car's cool. (laughs) So there he was. There he was, checking things out, looking around. Guys were looking at him. They're not in their head. And they're, yes, oh, yeah. Checking out his car. Shiny, shiny black. That's right, just, just shiny bright brilliant black you could see into it for miles man it was like a mirror he said and then the engine everything in the front the struts everything chromed out he said like a mirror he said you looked into it you could see next week it was so clear (laughs) that's right man you see the future in that car (laughs) that's what he said he enjoyed the car he loved that car So there he was driving around, a little two-seater, sounding like, you know, like this, this really crazy modified, big tire, front tires, all small, back tires are all big and everything. Little hot rod, and I could just imagine him as a young man driving around, all proud, his hard work, all his labor put into this car. So he's driving around, and he gets to the section of, of Brack Park where there's a playground at the, near the Joskies Pavilion. The Joskies Pavilion was this big, huge stone structure that was built, looks kind of like the Alamo. <laughs> and it, 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 it was just this huge shape structure, like a big house, a big rectangular house with a roof on it, but it had no walls. On either of the long side, it just had arches, three arches side by side. On the north end, it had a door that you could walk into, and then it had steps that went up to this little little balcony that you can see inside and you can see outside. And on the south side, it had this huge fireplace. It's just this neat huge structure that was built during the 30s during the the WPA series. And they were working on modifying and enhancing san antonio man during the wpa period and um yeah it just it was really really something else to see the structure my dad went to go see it he's just like parked there and again all of this stuff a lot of this was so new to him because he'd be gone for so long you know he remembered Josky's Pavilion and he's like, yeah, I remember that as a kid so he went to go check it out he parked there, he gets out, he's walking around cool guy blue jeans and his black leather boots white t-shirt with a pack of cigarettes rolled up hair slicked back that's right, he's just looking around checking things out and then he's there and he's going to go get an ice cream because it's hot, you know, summertime. He's going to go get an ice cream but then he sees he sees this woman working there, a young lady, young girl. He sees her and he's like, oh wow. And he says, I, I, I don't know. I don't think I could talk with her. <laughs> he's like, I can just imagine him. He's like, no, 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 no. No, she's too Pretty. I, I can't talk to her, I, I can't even think of the right thing to ask for what, A paleta, <laughs> so yeah, he got nervous, and he just went, and he sat down, he's like, okay, all right, all right, this is what you do, man, tell you what, uh, okay, so I was kidding she's just a person, I'm gonna go talk to her, I'm gonna go get my paleta, I'm hungry, and I'm hot, and I'm yeah, New York. He gets up. He walks over there. He turns right back around. No, but shut up! I can't do this, man. He's nervous. You know, he, he didn't couldn't understand why. I mean, he could talk to anybody. Now this guy, my dad, he'll talk to anyone, anywhere, for anything. But he couldn't talk to this one. He He's just so nervous. So then, he just sits there and he's like, well, I look like such a creeper, man. Jane, what do I do? He's there, he picks up the stick nearby and he pretends like he's, he's fishing and he just sits there and he's like, oh, I gotta think of something. I gotta think of something really cool to say, but I don't want it to sound too cool. Like, I really thought about it. You know, I, I don't know. Oh, what am I gonna do? What am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Do I walk up? Do I say, hey, ¿qué pasó? No, I can't say that. That sounds like a player. Oh, what do I say? Hello, how are you today? No, I can't say that either because I'll sound like a vampire. I don't want her to think I'm a vampire. Oh, my God. What do I do? Do I walk up? Maybe I say, hey, it's nice weather we're having today. No, no, I can't talk about weather. That's lame. Hijos, my God. What do I do? So he's there thinking out all these potential scenarios of how he's going to talk to this, this pretty girl. And he's he's really stressing himself out, man. I mean, he's really stressing himself out. And he's just sitting there. That he's like, oh. He keeps turning around and looking at it really quick, little quick peek. And then he's like, oh, I can't do this. I don't know. That's it. I'm done. That's it. Go, Go home. Bye. And so that was probably the longest 10 minutes of his life. <laughs> yeah. He was there for about 10 minutes, he said. Yeah, and he he, just, he didn't get anywhere at all. No. Because by then he kept turning around, and he realized, "Oh my gosh, she's gone." Oh, hey. They closed a the little paletero there. Okay, wow. Okay. So he, you know, put his stick down. He's like, well, no catch today. So he got up, he walked to his car. He drove home. And that was the end of that day. Then he thought, okay, I'm going to go back tomorrow around the same time. Gonna try this. This is gonna be different. This is gonna be good. This is gonna work. So I can do anything. Yeah, anything I put my mind to. So he did just that. He went back there. The next day, he went to that spot, picked up his stick, and as he pretended to to fish. He sat there, and he was like, okay this is what you're going to do in his mind this is all his inner monologue in his mind he's thinking to himself self, okay you can do this, don't be a fool just go say hi go ask for a vanilla covered in chocolate and then when she hands it to you you say thank you and then you pay her for the ice cream and when she says thank you Say no, thank you. No, that sounds too forward. I can't. I uh, know. No, that sounds like I don't know what to say. If I just keep saying thank you all the time, yeah. I can just imagine. I can just see myself there. I am. She'll say hello. How may I help you today? And I'll say thank you. And she'll be like, "What? for <laughs> No. Yeah." Seeing all this is going on in his mind. What am I going to say? How am I going to say? What am I going to do? By the time he got his thoughts together, you know, and again, he kept looking over there every few minutes, but by the time he actually got his thoughts together, he's ready, he's confident, he's going to go say something, he turns around, and they're closing up the shop. And he's all, Boss Jane! <sighs> okay, okay. I know what I'm going to say. But I'm going to have to say it. So same thing, gets in his car Goes home Ready for another day Yeah, he comes back Maybe a little bit earlier He's there, he's sitting down He's got his fishing pole Doesn't have no fishing line He's not even catching fish Because in that part of the San Antonio River There are no fish But he's there With his fishing pole He's ready and he's focused. He's got his. He knows what he's gonna say. He says, "I'm gonna go over there, and I'm gonna start by saying hello." That's what it's gonna be. Come on, Don Ramon, you can do this. So there he is. He's building himself up, and then he hears some footsteps coming to him. He turns around, and it's the other girl that's coming. From the palatelia, that's this other person, not the one he was looking at, but this other one. He's like, ah. And <laughs> she says, "Hey, fool, what are you doing here? Why are you creeping on us? Huh? What's your problem? Go be somewhere else." And he's like, "No, but I'm not creeping on nobody. I'm just, I'm just here fishing." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she's like, "There ain't no fish in that water, fool. Look, it's brown." dirty he, was, then he looks at the water and he looks back at her and he says well you never know just never know when you get a bite you know you just you just don't know you gotta try and she says try you don't even have fishing line I mean where are you gonna put the hook are you just gonna throw the hook in there and wait for the fish to jump out come on what are you doing here If you don't tell me I'm gonna call the cops on you and he's like oh no 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 you don't have to do that It's all right. It's all right. She's like, "Why are you here? You can't tell me. I'm. I will call the cops. That's it." He says, "No, no, please don't." He says, "Oh, that girl over there that you work with." He says, "I want to talk to her. I want to meet her, but I don't know what to say. Help me." She's all, "What?" My cousin? You want to talk to my cousin? You can't even fish, but you want to talk to my cousin. You've been sitting there for I don't know how many days, and you can't talk to my cousin. You want to talk to my cousin? What are you going to say to her? And he's like, that's just it. I don't know. I just want to talk with her, but I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I'm getting so frustrated right now. And then, and then you know my mom's cousin Esther she worked there at that little ice cream shop with her she she turned around and she shouts out to my mom Rebecca this guy wants to talk to you get over here and then she looks at my father so he can go away. She just looks him up and down with his shifty, beady little eyes. Imagine this little woman. She's like, you know, four or five. She's almost as tall as, as when my dad's sitting down. They're almost eye to eye. Yeah. And she's just looking him up and down with his angry face, his expression, and hands at her hips. Like, she oh my goodness. She walks off my mom comes up and she sits down next to my dad and they just start talking I don't know what they talked about but they just talked they were talking about from what I understand they were talking about what they like to do dad was talking about photography my mom was talking about painting they were talking about art and um, the next day my dad brought my mom lunch from Tecamolino where where his mom worked, where she was the head chef there the head cook, yeah and the rest is history man, from there they just they became a couple about a year later they were married and they started their family and you know some of that story so we're not going to get into that. But you know, it's just being ready. Being ready for change. Being ready for what's going to happen next. And the next stage. You know, my dad, for the longest time, he, he, he had learned all about adaptation and survival since he was a kid, having to grow up on his own on the streets. But the one thing he wasn't ready for was to meet someone like my mom. <laughs> that, that I don't think anything could have ever prepared him for that. Obviously not. <laughs> and if it weren't for, you know, for my aunt Esther putting them together like that, just throwing them together. I mean, who knows whatever would have happened in their lives but they got put into a place into a situation that it was like sink or swim and it seemed like that was my dad's um, way of coming out on top just sink or swim throw yourself in it do it and this radio station that's coming into to the Spokane area you know it's, it's something new it's something different I don't know how it's going to be received by the community. But you know what? Regardless of what the white community thinks, it's, it's really not meant for them. It's not theirs. Not to say they can't enjoy it and they can't learn, but it's not for them. It's being built for Henty Because we have Henty here. We have community here. Yeah, you know, and it's about time that we had a way of expressing our cultura openly amongst the community. Hence the reason why LTNX TNX Artes should be a physical space. As I begin this journey of looking for a physical space trying to determine what side of town LTNX Adidas should be on what is in the area, what is in the community already as I look around and I think about the ideal spot for LTNX Adidas it makes me think about it makes me think about my parents it makes me think about how Sometimes you just got to move forward. You just got to do it, man. I mean, if it weren't for the two of them just starting a conversation, you know, my siblings and I, we wouldn't exist. I couldn't have had the life that I've had. <laughs> yeah. And I think about future from there. Yeah, I think about my marriage. I think about my family, my kids and I think, wow you know, everything the course of history yeah and then I think of this radio station and how how it's going to help the community evolve into a more diverse community a more inclusive community so it's an exciting thing radio station El Tinex Artes It's some pretty neat stuff happening man It's going to be pretty cool Because ready or not It's It's already here We've been here And we're not going Anywhere (laughs) So we will talk With you Mañana And keep the the Stories going Keep the, the history going Sharing more with you on how I am Chicano, where I'm coming from, what my goals are, what's happening in the community right now. And, um, yeah, we will continue this journey of Firme Cuentos y Arte Podcast. Bueno.